0: All right, we should be live.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Stock Unlock podcast number 46 with Canada's number one investing YouTuber and some behind the scenes guy named Jake. You love when I say that, Daniel. We are going to start off the show with something that we are going to be doing every show, hopefully, which is if you leave a comment on the YouTube video with a stock to analyze, we are going to analyze that stock at the start of the video. One other very quick announcement here. This is probably going to be our last weekend stream for a while. Weekends are just logistically complicated, and we are still going to do our best to do this show every week, so no worries there. Just wanted to let everybody know. How's it going over there in Canada, Daniel, as I share my screen and pull up this stock? It's pretty
0: good. It's definitely fall in Calgary. Leaves are coming off. It's getting colder. Days are getting shorter. Winter's coming. (laughs) You
1: got the sweatshirt on. I could say it is way too hot and humid in New York City today. It's doing that classic East Coast weather thing where it'll be a little bit cool and then it gets super hot again. And hopefully people can't tell. I just ran back from a coffee with another startup founder and definitely am still cooling down. But I'm going to swing it uh, right into the start of this first video. As most of you know, we film these live if it's not obvious and we do not edit them at all. We upload it straight to Spotify. So if you listen to on Spotify, come to YouTube if you leave a comment on the video. We might just pick your stock to analyze at the start of next stream. I want to give an honorable mention to one that we're not taking, Captain Strange 1466 Thank you for this comment on Expedia and MGM. We are going to get to this, but I want to do a little bit of research and not just fly through that one. I know that I talk about Airbnb a lot. Those are all in the travel space, which I'm very bullish on. So we see you. We appreciate your consistency. And thank you for your patience. The one that we are going to pick is from PB6481, who is also in our Discord, I believe. So shout out to you. We are getting a lot of comments on Adian Daniel. Quick question to you. Are you familiar with this business? Have you heard of it?
0: All I know about it is I believe it's in the payment space somehow.
1: Yes. So there's going to be a little bit of inception here. Of course, Daniel and I are the two co-founders of Stock Unlock, And it is a paid platform after a free trial. Why am I saying this? We did not implement credit card processing or handling payments in different currencies as a very hard problem to, for young startups to solve and even bigger businesses. So there is a B2B business segment for payment processing, specifically for websites just like Stock and Lock, or for those who are more familiar with PayPal. You want to facilitate tr- payment transfers between consumers' businesses or business-to-business, consumer-to-consumer online. And Adyen is in that space. This is actually a European company. So you don't have to trust me. You can go down to their About tab, and I will summarize this. It says that they are a payment processing business. So let's take a quick look at their financials, because there are a few things that I spotted, and Daniel, feel free to interrupt me and chime in here, that I wanted to call out. So this is actually going to start backing up my thesis here, which I'm sure people will disagree with. So definitely hop in the live chat if you want to talk about this. Typically on software companies, I expect pretty high margins. There's nothing wrong with having a gross margin between 15 and 20. It also looks like this company is profitable, so I'm not knocking on that. But I do want to call out that their margins are compressing. So one angle on this is Adyen is announcing that they are starting to hire out a lot to continue to build infrastructure. The reason why the stock is getting brought up so much is it fell off a cliff when they reported earnings that's because they are spending more. So again, one angle on this is, well, their margins are going down because they're investing in engineering. Engineers cost money, so their margins are going to compress over time. But what the bulls on this business will say is they are gearing up for the future. Of course, we've seen companies like Amazon invest a lot into growth, and that has worked out very well for them. So why can't it work for Adyen? Well, what you are about to hear is just my personal opinion. I don't think that this business has a long-term sustaining moat. And what I mean by that is its ability to maintain pricing power and hoard off competitors. Right now, every single company almost that is using Adyen is also using other cloud services, whether it be Amazon, Google, Microsoft to host these services. Right now, none of those services offer or offer easy to integrate direct payment processing like Stripe and Adyen do. So that is why these businesses exist. And they have definitely come online and generated a lot of cash their balance sheet health is fine we can see that has a 4.2 score out of five here you could also see that they have been growing but again let's remember that their profitability on this growth has been going down in my opinion it is getting easier and easier to build these companies i understand that they have sticky revenue and there's a lot of people who disagree with me on this but when i buy and hold the stock Daniel. I want to hold this business for at least five, if not 10 plus years. I want to find long, enduring moats. In my opinion, the margin compression is because of competition coming in. I also think that large cloud service providers are going to be able to offer the services that Adyen and Stripe is offering today. And that is the main summary of my thesis here. This is not a buy or sell recommendation. I'm not a financial advisor, neither is Daniel. And this is all for fun. Please consult the financial advisor, but at least for me, I am not super interested in this business purely due to the lack of moat. However, other people strongly disagree and see that the stock price has fallen and think that this is a great time to buy. To be honest, I don't know. It could be. Uh, They obviously have very great growth, but as companies have more and more choices with who processes their payments and they go back to the table year over year to renegotiate these contracts, and as it gets easier and easier to integrate with these companies, I have a hard time to see them maintaining pricing power I did a very very quick research here to just see what's the difference between Adyen and Stripe. The answer is not much. And then if you look up Adyen and Stripe competitors, you can see people are bidding up on Google. There's already a lot of other competitors coming into the space when they see that there's a lot
0: of money to be made here. I yeah, there's a lot of, of a lot of payment processing companies. There's a lot. There's a few new ones even popping up in Canada and taking market share. Also, the place that I go to, the barbershop I go to to get my haircut, they had one payment processor that they signed up with, and then a couple months later, like literally within two months, they swapped their payment processor because a different one offered them cheaper fees, and that was enough for them to just totally switch. Even though their previous payment processor was more sexy, as the customer, it was more fun to use that payment processor because I could like do it all myself. And then they just went right back to, you know, just tap your card and then pay. So the only thing that caused them to switch from competitor to competitor was lower fees, which ultimately tells me that there probably isn't a moat in this industry. And whoever can offer the lowest fees is probably who businesses are going to go with so that they can save money, which also tells me it's probably just going to continue compressing margins over time, which is what we are currently seeing. So yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't know if there's strong moats in this in this business. The only two companies that have seemed to hold up and really produce a ridiculous amount of cash are Visa and MasterCard. So if I were going to be in the payment space, personally, I would look at one of those two companies. But I mean, full disclosure, I don't own either of those companies either. I think they're incredible, but I just don't know. I, d- I don't know the moat over the next 20 years, if even Visa is going to be having a strong moat. I mean tech technology is just moving way too quick they could be disrupted within 20 years for sure
1: yeah i'm seeing a common sentiment around investors especially retail investors where if a business that historically has been good just all of a sudden drops in price that it has to be a great buying opportunity which sometimes is true we saw with meta that fell very far and has since rebounded a lot so You can find examples to justify whatever side of the equation you have. The reason why I'm saying this is every business is different. And just because the stock price is falling does not always mean it's an opportunity to buy. Two other businesses that come up, Daniel, Disney stock has been a huge topic. That's been falling a lot. PayPal stock has been falling a lot. I know that we spent a lot of time talking on them and dare I say bashing them a little bit in the last stream. But people should just be careful out there. I'm not telling you that it's always a bad idea or a good idea to buy those stocks. Just make sure That you understand the sentiment really try to understand the business's moat and look at their competitors because you could really fall into a trap by just buying stocks because they go down
0: yeah i agree i actually just made a video on disney going through the business and sharing my opinions on it and yeah i agree you know the stock is down 60 percent from its all-time highs and it's still not even close to a price that i would consider it yeah i don't even know if i would ever consider it actually
1: yeah, I, I'm i personally not touching Disney either. It's one of those stocks where, you know, everyone's looking at it. So I just don't like to look at things everyone else is looking at. There's tens of thousands of stocks out there. There was actually a really great conversation that was happening in our Discord, actually started by this lovely person here, Sam Solid. So it's great to see you. Uh, you will be watching this recording, it seems. So thanks for stopping by. Uh, there was a lot of debates around the level of pricing power, how profitable streaming businesses could be as well as just the entertainment space in general. I'm not sure if you have thoughts on that after going through a Disney analysis.
0: I think the overall streaming business is low margin. I think Netflix is, I mean, their metrics suggest they're clearly the leader in streaming. So I would look at their margins for basically the maximum potential of profitability. And even Netflix's margins, I don't think are anything really that amazing. Um, disney is struggling even more than netflix to gain new subscribers their subscriber rate is actually basically flat now and what they're doing to offset that is raise prices on disney plus and quite significantly too i don't know if i like that because that basically means for disney plus to continue growing and eventually reach profitability if its subscribers are not growing It means that the company actually has to continue raising its prices on Disney Plus to see growth, and it cannot raise prices forever. So there's a point where prices are going to stop increasing or start to have a negative effect on the business from people leaving the platform. So that's the same argument that I have with PayPal, too. I've always said that with PayPal. PayPal's users are not growing. They're actually slightly declining right now. So for PayPal to continue seeing growth to its core business, it has to continue charging every user more and more and getting its revenue per user up and there's a limit to that there's a limit to how much revenue you can suck out of one person before they eventually feel it and leave so I don't like those business models where their their future growth relies on how much revenue they can suck out of someone and that's what Disney is now or Disney Plus I in my video I actually said I think Disney is a much more attractive business without streaming I actually think that Disney Plus kind of killed disney stock and its profitability as soon as they announced that they were going to start investing in disney plus and then rolled out disney plus go look at their operating income the second they made that announcement the operating income fell off a freaking cliff and it's never come back and that was even before COVID. so you know (laughs) is this disney
1: uh Uh, actually wait i thought you were gonna say their margins fell off a cliff let me yeah their margins did too yeah, so I was looking at their margins before, for those of you who are on video. Uh, if you go back, I mean, this is exactly what you were saying, Daniel. Their margins were pretty high. You can see exactly where they fell. That is probably when Disney Plus came out. And I will add to this, too. I think that there was a bit of artificial growth there because COVID was just such a unique time. It's not something that's really happened before in our lifetime. And hopefully, hopefully, it does not happen again. But the amount of growth that Disney Plus saw was monumental. And you even see right here their stock price literally went to the movement but as people started well, to eat the medicine and see that everything you're saying daniel uh stagnant subscriber growth
0: um well, operating yeah. income what happened is actually when disney announced disney plus their price ratios all started expanding because at the time streaming was seen as a great business and it was very exciting for investors so when disney basically said hey we're going to start competing with netflix and we're going to launch our own streaming platform its price ratios ran up to all-time highs from investors being excited and trying to price Disney as Netflix and off of Netflix's price ratios. So I think that it got, you know, it, it got very expensive. I don't think that there was a lot of actual true value created. I, I think that Disney Plus has created no value for shareholders. If anything, it's actually destroyed shareholder value, which is just a double whammy because the stock ran up off of the excitement of Disney Plus, And then when you waited... It actually destroyed shareholder value, so none of that run-up was justified. If anything, the stock should have fallen. So it's just overall, I don't know what's going to happen to this business. I don't know if they're going to cut out Disney Plus at some point in the future because there's a lot of headwinds to get that business profitable and to actually generate any value for shareholders. And I'm not confident they're going to do it. Well, let's say some bullish comments.
1: There are definitely two sides to this story. Bob Iger is back. Yep. Eh? And they are making cuts. So someone did drop our Discord today. They have cable, and they went over to ESPN channel, and there was a sign-up on the channel that basically let people know that ESPN is not available because they are negotiating rates with Disney, and they're trying to keep the costs low mm-hmm. for their users. I also heard that they're selling off some other assets. I may be speaking here, so someone can correct me. I think it was ABC. Uh, ESPN, they're also thinking about selling, I've heard. These are all kind of whispers, so I'm speaking a little bit out of my depth here because I have not analyzed them deeply, so someone called me out if that was incorrect, but they are making hard cuts. I mean, not all businesses last forever. You can argue Bob Iger, is one of the better CEOs of our time, at least he uh, was and has been for Disney. So there's a very real turnaround play here. The IP is also very real. I think another bullish note here is no one can really touch Disney's IP and the characters they've created. Also, the theme park's obviously very hard to replicate, even though the negative side of that is it does seem like they're getting into political wars with the Santas down in Florida. But yeah, this is one that you can definitely justify from both sides. I'm not touching it either, Daniel, but I will fairly say I think it's a little bit too early to count them out. I don't think Disney is going anywhere. It's more of a conversation of, as a stockholder in this business, to take the words out of your mouth, what returns to shareholders are there going to be looking forward, especially when they're still a $149 billion company?
0: Yeah, I agree. I don't think Disney's going to go anywhere anytime soon. It's really just how profitable is this business going to be in the future? And that's a question I genuinely have no idea about. But my, my gut is saying it's not going to be as profitable as it was historically. And then you also have to think too, like they had that old CEO... He wasn't doing a very good job. So then their previous CEO, I believe he had to come back out of retirement and fix the ship, which tells me that it's probably not an easy business to run. And you're probably... The most unique businesses in the world. Yeah. So it's probably a pretty complicated business that would need very strong management to operate effectively, which is an additional risk if you're going to think really long term. So I don't know. For me, it's just... I think there's just better stocks out there for me personally, but I could be totally wrong. Disney could be the turnaround play of the century. We'll see.
1: (laughs) There is a fact ringing in my head that a friend of the show told us, Daniel, I believe it was that only 4% of companies that were being publicly traded around 100 years ago are still around today. And that's just something to keep in mind. Businesses rise and fall. It is incredibly rare for businesses to last forever. And that's just something investors should keep in mind. You know, you could say buy and hold for a 100 years, but you're going to have to be pretty, pretty good for that. So always reassess your holdings, always reassess the business, try to look at where things are going. Obviously, we try to make that easier with stock and lock. A couple of announcements there, by the way. Daniel, I'm not sure if you want to search through the comments and we can start taking some of the comments from the users in the chat. There seems to be a lot. So happy Sunday, everyone. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Again, if you're watching the recording, come join us live sometime. And yeah, while you're pulling one of those up, some quick Stock and lock announcements. We are officially partnered with the NASDAQ. This is a huge deal for us that started on September 1st. So if you are a subscriber to Stock and Lock, NASDAQ stock price quotes are now coming from NASDAQ Data APIs. This is also a co-marketing contract, which is a huge deal for our business. So more news coming there, but we're going to be having some great content coming out. There's a chance that Daniel might be in New York in October, and we're looking to do a pretty special meetup there. So... Mark your calendars. I am actually going to try to plan that maybe later today, Daniel, or sometime this week. And that is going to be a subscriber-only event, but something very exciting for us. Another exciting announcement. Daniel and I need to scale this team. We have over 2,500 users on Stock Unlock, and you may have noticed our product velocity has slowed down. The analogy here is Daniel and I do not want to be hamsters running on a hamster wheel constantly only doing customer service and things that just keep things going, we are looking to grow a very large flourishing company. And if we aren't able to hire to scale, what the hell are we doing? So this week we have at least one engineer starting with us tomorrow, another one pending, and there's a lot of other things in the pipeline for us to start scaling the team on both the content side, customer service side. We're going to do everything we can to ensure that quality and everything stays the same, which we are incredibly confident about, hiring a team players only. And thank you, everyone. Seeing a lot of congrats in the channel. Thank you so much. It's been over two years. We're doing this full time. Definitely have been a lot, a lot of sacrifices and punches thrown in our face. But we are battered, bruised, and (laughs) trudging forward. So apparently how startups are supposed to go. But seriously, huge, huge thank you to everyone in the chat.
0: Really means a lot. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, get a couple more engineers working with us. Stogum Lock should start improving at a rapid rate again, I hope. Like pretty soon in the future.
1: You're going to see some updates coming out this week. It's not a hope. It is a now. The hires are being made. The last three weeks I've spent interviewing tons of candidates. We got a- around 50 applications, 17 phone screens, narrowed that down to a few people to come for final round interviews. And we're incredibly excited. These are some great engineers. I always try to hire people smarter than myself. And dare I say you, Daniel. So,
0: Oh, yeah. Right, you, great. To <laughs> yeah, it should be great. I'm very excited for that. Yeah, there's a lot of love
1: in the live chat. Thank you so much to everyone saying congrats. It's a huge wall. Incredible.
0: Yeah, it should be a great fourth quarter for us, honestly, with everything going on. It should be a really great fourth quarter for Stock and Lock. Okay, let's get back to the live stream. I found a comment asking us to look at Mielai. I lost it now, but. <laughs> I found it. Yes, we've been asked to look at Meolai. So I believe that this is like an Amazon type company. Mercado Libre engages in the development of an online e commerce platform with a focus on e commerce and related services. I believe it's down in South America, though. I'm actually not seeing the country here. Anyways, I believe it's uh, like basically a South American Amazon. And this stock has done incredibly well over time. In two thousand and seven it was a thirty-two dollar stock. It is now up roughly thirty-eight hundred percent. So a thirty X time sorry, thirty-eight X return on your investment if you bought this in two thousand and seven, which is massive. It's ridiculous. So let's take a quick look here at the income statement. So yeah, this thing's revenue has been growing a lot back in 2007 it did 73 74 million dollars in revenue now it's done 12 billion as well as the costs to produce that revenue
1: which might might be okay
0: yeah okay so even in the pet let's look at what would five years ago would be 2018 now so 2018 was 1.3 billion in revenue so they've basically 9x revenue in five years that's pretty impressive that's actually very impressive operating cash flow is going to the moon apparently it's done 4.5 billion in operating cash flow in the 2012 months which is a ridiculous growth in 2018 it was 230 million so that's 20x operating cash flow in 5 years stock based compensation is low always love to see that looks like it's buying bag shares too it's not diluting and it does a lot of free cash flow. So that's great. What's the balance sheet look like? You know what? I'm going to go take a look at the insights. Financial health is 3.5. Current ratio is 1.28. Low intangibles. Oh, shares have increased. Okay. Debt to EBITDA is fine. Growth is a perfect 5.0. Revenue is growing. Gross profit. Everything is growing super well. Profitability is 3.8. Free cash flow margin is 34%. Wow. Wow. Not as good as Airbnb, but that's really good. That is ridiculous. So that I'm is ar- not
1: that Meli is headquartered in Argentina. Just add some more color here.
0: That is crazy, dude. Stock-based compensation as a percent of revenues low. Operating cash flow low. Free cash flow low. Return on invested capital is high. ROCE is high. Management is operating the business very good. It looks like. So that all looks great. Actually, this looks like a pretty, pretty incredible company. The free cash flow yield is also almost 6%, price-to-free cash flow is only 17. How has it been valued historically? That sounds low. For a business growing that quickly, a price-to-free cash flow of 17 sounds very low.
1: And to keep us honest here, Daniel, I'm looking at the About section for this company now on Stock and lock. They are an online e-commerce platform, mostly servicing Latin America, and they also have a payment solution. So maybe this goes towards what we were saying before that, you're going to have to offer more than just a payment solution to continue to be competitive. And if they are bundling that along with an e-commerce platform, I almost wonder if this is a Shopify competitor. It seems like a few people in the chat may be a little bit more familiar with this business. And we are getting the great moat question here. So I don't know enough about this business to answer that on this live stream. But that is also my next question because these numbers and growth are incredible.
0: Yeah, it's also trading right near its historical lows. In terms of price-to-free cash flow and price-to-operating cash flow. It's like 10% above the lows. So that's pretty wild. It's actually quite wild. If this company can continue to grow as quickly as it has historically, then... I mean, it really doesn't look that expensive to me.
1: It's got 292 stars on Stock and Lock, which is more than I normally see. So definitely a company people are talking about. Yeah, it might be worth adding that one to the watch list and doing a little bit deeper research. Of course, we do not do enough research here for buy or sell. That is up to you. No red flags, though.
0: Yeah, that's definitely interesting. Yeah,
1: I'm going to shamelessly call out this comment. Big congrats, guys. I love stock and lock. It's literally saved me a lot of money by stopping bad investments before they happen. Thank you so much for that. And that's what I try to tell people as well. A lot of the times we get the question, oh, so you're giving stock picks or things like that. And it's like, don't get me wrong. You can try to find good stocks to invest in. But my favorite thing about it is sometimes more of just avoiding bad investments. Daniel, I'm probably going to go back and graph my stock returns before and after we launched Stop and Lock. It's a little bit too early to make this call. But at least early signs are showing that I have been doing a lot better in the market personally with Stop and Lock in my back pocket. I think it's the same for you.
0: Yeah, definitely. Actually, I was using the screener last night. I was up way too late using the screener, actually, because it's just fun. But I found, I found two new stocks that I, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna buy. <laughs> Anything to
1: announce on the stream? Not financial advice. Take a drink. Or you I don't
0: gonna think be so yet. Best for now. I don't think so yet. Are they banks? They're not banks. One is. A... I'm gonna faint. One is a real estate company that's actually headquartered in Calgary. And then the other one is like an auto collision repair business. But both are both look great to me. <laughs> so i'm gonna you know, I'm gonna do some more research. I'm gonna bite my tongue because
1: I might know the auto collision repair business just from a podcast, but I'm forgetting what it was called. So I'm gonna send that to you privately,
0: yeah These might not be investments I announced. We'll see. They're kind of smaller stocks, but we'll see. Mm.
1: Fair enough. It looks like Alex Pohl also stays up late playing with Stock and Lock. It, it's just funny. So I was like, oh, what did you do last Saturday night, bro? Oh, yeah, I was screening stocks on Stock
0: and Lock. Well, it's exciting because... <laughs> well, because our screener, it, it ranks all of the businesses, all of the stocks by our Insight score. So usually the top stocks that I find that I screen for, the fundamentals usually pretty dang good. And then it's exciting because if I actually find a stock that I believe is a long term sorry, long term compounder, then it's really just like I'm standing up late finding things that are gonna make me money. (laughs) You know, like that's what it is. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean,
1: I I obviously agree. I do the same things. I think I was in bed by like 10 o'clock yesterday. I was like, who am I? So old. You, you want to take one more here, Daniel? I, I do know that you said that you are in a little bit of a, a shorter time span today. I definitely want to respect that. So I think that we have time for one more. I might hang out a little bit late if people are here to hang out. But yes, we will have more time during the week to uh, go back to the more full, full episodes. <laughs> Actually, this might be a good one, Daniel. Someone's asking how to use screener for a particular industry. Should we just go through a quick example of this? Because it would be great to kind of see how you screen and find stocks in the stock unlock screener i'm sure a lot of
0: other people would like to okay your process there okay everyone i need to make a disclaimer here if you see any stars or stocks that are on my watch list if we go through the screener those are stocks that i am researching and i may or may not own some of them Okay, so you're going to get you're going to get a little bit of a peek into Daniel's personal screener and watch list and everything. And I will be the annoying tape recorder here. We cannot stress this
1: enough. Daniel and I have both made investment mistakes and will continue to. That's what investing is. If you invest in a stock just because Daniel and I have invested in it, that is probably the worst, silliest thing you could ever, ever do. And we're not just saying that as a disclaimer. Please do not be that person. Don't do it with us. Don't do it with everyone. Part of the reason why we build the software is so that you can do your own research. And if you buy something and it goes down, you have no one to blame but yourself. Disclaimer over.
0: Okay. So as I'm sure a lot of people know, I am a Canadian. So I love buying Canadian stocks. I am very bullish on Canada. I do own US stocks as well, but I prefer to buy Canadian stocks because then I can avoid all the currency conversion fees and whatever. It's just a lot easier for me. So I like to look at stocks that are trading on the TSX, which is the Canadian exchange. And I've actually been using less and less filters as time passes. The filters that I use are the exchange to filter Canadian stocks, then the market cap. What I currently have filtered here is 100 million to 5 billion. So this is like smaller cap companies to mid cap companies, or in other words, companies that I think can turn out to be long-term compounders for me, like over the next 20 plus years, hopefully can continue to compound at high rates of return and still have a lot of growth left in them. Not really, you know, larger companies that are kind of at the end of their, their high growth phase. And then I like to keep my general score, the stock unlock general score between 3.5 and 5 because personally I've found that not all but the majority of stocks that I've looked at personally where the general score is below 3.5 I'm typically not interested in them so our our insight scores I think do a very good job at pointing out the bad stocks so I don't personally like to look at the stocks that are under 3.5 do you ever do the score breakdowns nope I like to just keep it at 3.5 to five. I don't really, I don't really filter more than that. I really keep it really broad. And I industry.
1: You and I differ there just to add color here. Cause people are probably wondering how to use this. I personally like to do individual scores because I don't really care too much about the analyst or valuation score. So high growth, high profitability, good balance sheet.
0: And you can save these as well, right? Yeah. This is a saved screener right here. Awesome. Also, I take out the metals and mining industry, the energy industry, chemicals, biotech. And I think that's what I take out because personally, like these would be gold companies like gold miners, for example. I don't want to own those. I don't really care to own energy companies personally, like oil and gas companies. I just, I know that they produce a lot of cash flow, but I, I just don't know enough about oil and the future oil prices to feel confident owning them myself. And then chemicals and biotech companies, same thing. I think that they're kind of more speculative and volatile. So I I don't screen for those ones. Yeah, stick with what you know. So yeah, this is a screener. This is actually the exact screener that I used last night. And I saved it. It's just my Canadian market cap filter. You can see that I have a few stocks here on my watch list. These are some of them that I found last night that I'm still researching. But yeah. And then I just go through this list basically and do a quick scan of the companies that I find.
1: So I'm laughing at one of the comments in the chat. Come on, Daniel. You are from Calgary. You should know oil and gas.
0: I know oil and gas. I mean, I know the industry, but... I've just seen... I I don't know. What I feel personally in my gut is... Oil companies, they go through periods of being incredibly profitable and then oil prices will drop and then they go through a period of being very unprofitable. I feel like if I had to place my bet that we are probably in the up cycle right now with these companies being incredibly profitable, producing a ton of cash and people wanting to own them. The time that I want to get excited and start investing in oil companies is probably when oil prices are down. And people are not excited about oil companies. And they're actually, their profits are low. So this is actually, let me back up there and gather my thoughts a little bit. This is actually what Peter Lynch talks about in his book, One Up on Wall Street. He says the the time to get excited about commodity businesses is when they're in their down cycle. And when no one wants to own them. And then you buy them and you you buy them at the bottom. And then you buy them on the, the way up when they start producing those profits again. And what he says in the book is you really want to buy the, the businesses in those commodity sectors that have strong balance sheets and can weather the downturns because commodities are just very volatile. They go up, they go down. It's crazy. Like, just go take a look at, um, Canadian national resources. For example, that's that company's stock price. is like just like this for two decades. Oh, <laughs> like I feel a heart- like, like a
1: heartbeat monitor.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just like a heartbeat monitor. So I feel like right now my gut would not feel comfortable owning these businesses because I do feel like they're probably near the top of the cycle
1: well I'll say one statement that's meant to be true and a follow-up question I think we got to send you on your way I'd say in general you and I aren't very well versed in any commodities based businesses and that's because understanding the pricing of commodities is very challenging there's a lot of professionals who do it that have a lot of data there and that's all they look at so again tens of thousands of stops in the market you could pick what you know and say in your area of competency. And then I guess flipping that back as a question to you, Daniel, have you ever invested in commodity-based businesses? Or does that fact that I say before just kind of keep you away from them in general? Because you did hint that before. You might start to get interested when the prices of commodities go down, which I think is making an assumption that you believe it will go back up just looking at historical trends. Is that correct or incorrect?
0: Yeah, and I'm not even going to say I would do that for sure. It's just I would start to get interested in oil companies when I feel like they're beaten down tony yeah this is a perfect comment when during covid when oil prices went negative and these stocks were all collapsing and they were losing their profitability like that's the time to be buying them in my opinion i don't want to be buying them when they're all producing record high free cash flows because oil prices are high oil prices could drop next year and then these cash flows could decline and then that would change the fundamentals of the business entirely so yeah just as tony said this is I actually made a video on my channel. I never ended up buying any oil companies, but I made a video on my channel when oil prices went negative and I analyzed all of the oil businesses to to find some ones that looked like they could be attractive. But that's exactly what I mean, is that's the time when I was starting to look at oil businesses. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my opinion right now.
1: Fair enough. Well, I'm looking at the time here, Daniel. I know coming into this, we were a little bit crunched. For those of you who missed the start, This is going to be our last weekend stream for the foreseeable future. We love doing them, but weekends are just very, very hard to plan around. We do still plan on doing these every week. If you're watching the recordings on Spotify, we're up to five ratings there and about to go over a hundred followers. So shout out to anyone there. If it's not obvious, we record these live. These are not edited and we love interacting with the live chat. So you can come into our Discord. The link will be below and we announce all the shows there. The Discord is obviously totally free. Any last words here, Daniel, before we send you off? I think it's a three-day weekend there in Canada as well.
0: Um, Someone just said, congrats on your PDD position, Daniel. Thank you. That one's been doing great for me. They reported their earnings. Earnings were insane. Um, Yeah, just, just happy about that one. And Vishal says, Buffett is still buying Occidental. I don't know why when the future is electric. Yeah, I can see why Warren Buffett is buying Occidental Petroleum. This company has somewhere around a fifteen to twenty percent free cash flow yield right now. But again, I don't, I don't know if it's going to remain that high. If you go and take a look, actually, was I still sharing my screen? Sorry, everyone, if I was. Okay, if we go take a quick look here, um, let's do this one. If we go to Oxy. Sorry for my slow internet. This always happens when I stream. And we go to the free cash flow of this business. So down here, you can see that in 2015, it was actually producing negative free cash flow. And then it went up to about $3 billion in cash flow. Then it went back down to about $468 million during COVID. And then really, it's been recently that its free cash flow has gone insane, up to about $12.3 billion. Now it's starting to come back down to about $8.4 billion. But this is kind of what I mean about these oil companies, is their cash flows are so volatile based on what the price of oil is doing. I believe back in 2008, oil prices were quite high as well. Occidental Petroleum at the time was producing about $7 billion if we want to round up. So that's what the company has historically produced in decent oil markets when oil prices are high. But then when oil prices go down, the business produces maybe $1 billion in free cash flow, potentially even negative. To about 468 million. So I don't know for sure what Warren Buffett's investment thesis on this business is, but let's say Occidental Petroleum, its free cash flow goes back down to $5 billion if oil prices go back down. So its market cap today is 57 billion. If its free cash flow drops down to about 5 billion, then it would be trading for about 11 to 12 times free cash flow, which is very different than its price-to-free cash flow of what today? About six today. So if depending on what oil prices do in the future, the price of this business today could dramatically change, essentially. And if oil prices go back down quite significantly, then historically this business has produced anywhere from like one to two billion dollars in free cash flow. And on a $50 billion market cap, that would be 25 to 50 times cash flow. So it looks cheap right now, but depending on what oil prices do, its its price could totally change in the future. And that's what makes me nervous about these businesses. I just don't know enough. So that's kind of why I stay away.
1: Yeah. Very fair. Uh, Captain Strange here. Also, not sure if you were with us since the beginning, Captain Strange. We did give a shout out to your comment on the last video about Expedia and MGM. I just want to do some more research there. I think that's a great suggestion. So sorry that we haven't gotten to that one yet. Really good point here, though. Oxy has access to carbon capture plants, which allow them to get carbon credits from the government, could be worth $150 billion a year by 2050. So I love the long outlook there. And, yeah, it just goes to show how complicated some of these businesses are. Daniel, I think everything you were saying makes a lot of sense. And now there's also government credits that come into play as well. So definitely something to be aware of when you're looking at those those businesses.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah, I should, uh, I should get going. I have a lot of stuff to do today. It's the not... weekend here too.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing at you because I keep trying to like give you the out, and like I, I set you up for it, and it's like, hold up, so much fun stocks. I mean, that that's part of our problem. We all, we all have the bug, but yeah, Daniel, I think I might do a quick uh, walk through the financials of PDD when you're gone, just to kind of go through the insight scores and things like that. It might be a good way to round off here. Have a great weekend. Thank you. read great yeah. weekend. So always, always great doing these. And we'll, uh, I guess, uh, weekdays from here on forward will be a little. Yeah, bit we'll
0: easier. have to figure
1: out a weekday schedule for these,
0: for sure. Well,
1: all right.
0: Sending you all. Probably go for another five or so minutes here. Okay. Bye, everyone. Hope you all have a great weekend. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. I'm not going to end the broadcast. I'm just going <laughs> to leave. <laughs> I almost hit end
1: a broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so funny. It's like muscle memory, right? get get out of here all right see you later (laughs) all right well daniel just mentioned that he invested in pdd not financial advice the stock has ran but i figured i would just go through some of their financials here it is a company that owns a portfolio or rather operates a portfolio of businesses so that's something to keep in mind we'll not have time to go through all of that but we keep on talking about this insight score many of you are familiar with it but 4.54 is a lot so as stocks move around there could be opportunities for investors that's something we talked about more at the beginning of the show obviously we know big companies like disney and paypal have been going down daniel and i are both personally a little bit bearish on those but here's a good example of a stock that went down but it seemed like their financials were great so let's keep these years in mind it looks like the stock has not reached its peak in 2021 so if you bought it after a huge run-up you might still be down uh, you could be down as much as let's see still over around 50 percent which is not great however If you timed it from around the bottom here, which is, I think, where Daniel started purchasing it, it has went up a lot. So Stock Unlock definitely helps you analyze businesses quicker. What we keep on saying is this is not a buy or sell signal at all. It's just meant to save you time analyzing a lot of the key financials that a lot of investors look for. So just right off the bat here, their financial health looks pretty good. We have a four out of five there. Shares are increasing slightly, but nothing to be concerned with. And the balance sheet seems to be in very good standing there. They have more cash than total liabilities, which is always rate. Their growth is a perfect five. So even if we go to the second page here, their balance sheet values are increasing, their cash flow is increasing, their revenue is increasing. These are all on a TTM basis. So when you're reading these numbers, this is relative to 12 months ago. For those of you who have been watching the show for a bit, you may have heard that we are scaling. We have some engineers starting this week, which is incredibly exciting. We are going to add more filter features around these insights so that you could look back more than just a TTM. This has been one of our top requests, as well as just adding in more scores and more filters to the screener. So definitely keep an eye out there. Profitability of this business, absolutely incredible. And the management score is also very good. High ROIC, love to see that high ROCE. It does look like the management is doing a very good job here. So. When we saw this before, I said to keep this in mind when the stock ran. So what I always like to look for is if a stock price goes down this much, where the fundamentals of that business going down in that same time frame? Because if you identify that a business has fallen down a lot in price, but their fundamentals have not changed, that might be telling you that the market may be getting a little bit too bearish here. So just looking at their margins, margins all seem pretty good. They've actually were going up during this time period. So that's very interesting to me looking at their income statement just going out here this graph up here shows you their growth of greens the revenue so it does look like they leveled off here a bit which might be for a little bit of the sell-off but not only has their revenue gone up but as we saw in their margins their margins are going up as well so that is great balance sheet health is pretty good seems like they have a lot of cash on hand assets are going up i always like to check the debt load on the businesses as well it does seem that they have like a little bit over one and a half billion in long-term debt. But of course, as we saw before from the Insight score, it sounds like their total cash, wow. Their total cash position is going up and up and up. So that is great. That is likely because this business is generating a lot of cash flows. So we could ch- come over here and check that out. say like a little bit sparse data here on the quarterly. Let's check TTM. And yeah, the operating income here is Despite this little slowdown, which may have been why the stock went up and then down, you see this big run up here, investors saw growth, stock price goes up, it levels off, stock sells. If you analyze the business more than its financials and go to its investor relations slides and see who they're selling to, understand their competitors, a smart investor may have been able to see, Uh, not me, but Daniel saw it, I did not look at this business, that they had good growth potential and wow, you would have been right. So those are probably some of the things that Daniel was seeing. I know a lot of you follow his YouTube channel there. Yes, he was with us for most of the stream, uh, but he just left. All right, uh, I'm going to take a few last questions here. We usually end it with just stock unlock talk. Normally, Daniel's here, so I will try not to act as nervous as I feel doing this alone. But there was one episode that was just me, and things did not fall on fire. Uh, from Andrew Blount. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Calendar features. So, yes, we do have portfolio tracking. I know a lot of you are waiting for Questrade, E-Trade, Interactive Brokers pretty confident quest trade could come out this week but cross our fingers that is not a promise as well as e-trade interactive brokers is also in the pipeline and we are going to be releasing more and more brokerages that you can connect to stock unlock it's been one of the favorite features that we have dropped so keep an eye out there a calendar feature for the portfolio tracker to answer this question is coming this will be a great calendar view to see when upcoming earnings are dividends payouts all that kind of stuff we are on it part of the reason why we are hiring Question here, would you be able to do annual quarterly insight scores? Yes. Uh, So flashing back to something I said there, uh, you might have said this as I was saying it on the screen share, we are looking to, and it's been one of the top requests for insight scores to have kind of a time dial. So in addition to where, for the metrics that this applies to uh, the TTM, which is the trailing 12 months, we are also looking to add more years look back there. Also something you could look at in the screener. I'm excited for that as well. I wish that we could build it all at once, Uh, yes. Dividend CAGR. So, just to be very specific here. We're hiring some full time engineers and then also some part time help. So, I was talking to someone who has been a fan of Daniel Prong's Stock Unlock. Uh, sorry, Daniel Prong's YouTube channel as well as Stock Unlock. And what is great to me with my engineering background, so it gets me extra excited. There's a lot of software engineers that also love Stock Unlock. So, for these part time roles, we're going to give very scoped projects for engineers to just fly with. And we are looking to hire someone on a part time basis that could turn full-time obviously we want to sell more subscriptions We're constantly watching our cast position and cash burn classic uh, running business stories there but that person will be focused just on the screener and insight scores so really excited to see if that person get hit the ground running if you are watching hello not going to name drop but shout out to you you know who you are uh jake did you own pdd uh no i did not unfortunately did not own pdd is a great one from Andy. I was waiting for a low of 50 and it never happened. Nothing wrong with that. As Warren Buffett always says, you can, unlike baseball, watch shot after shot, or I guess pitch after pitch after pitch go out and you can wait for the perfect pitch. So who knows? 50 might happen again if they keep on performing this way. Questionable. One counter strategy, and again, not financial advice here, but just Taking information on the internet dollar cost averaging many of you know what this is but a dollar cost average strategy statistically if you backtest it usually beats trying to time the market trying to time the market is incredibly hard you can get lucky with it but sometimes things like this will happen so a dollar cost average strategy of buying x amount of shares on a predetermined time period could help you average out along the curve there for businesses that you do want to own long term All right, I think I've gotten through most of the questions. There was one disgruntled person in the chat. It makes me feel bad. Hey, I'm gonna leave because you didn't answer my question. We really, really do our best. I will end this with saying that we are going to start every single show in the future, looking at the comments on YouTube and taking one of the suggestions from those comments. So if we didn't get to your stock, go and leave a comment on the recording. After this, we are always going to start off these streams by taking a comment from the YouTube video from the previous stream. Uh, Yes, very much agree, Andy. Also, wait for the deal to come and not chasing deals. I agree 100%. There are so many stocks out there. Do not feel bad. If you missed, there's going to be a lot more pitches coming our way. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for hanging out. We're going to end the stream here. This has been a great episode 46. If you are just joining at the end, Daniel was with us for most of the time here. And we hope that everyone has a great three-day weekend, if that applies to you in the U.S. or Canada. If not, happy end of the weekend to you. Take care.